the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a desire to love our neighbors well, to care for the most vulnerable among us, and to ease the burden on healthcare workers in our community, we are continuing to suspend in-person worship services for this time and instead worship via podcast. We are in the season of Lent, and Lent, this is the second Sunday of Lent, Lent is a 40-day plus six-Sunday season between Ash Wednesday and Easter. When we draw close to Jesus, when we look at what in our life is living in rebellion to Jesus's lordship, in defiance of Jesus's ways, and what parts of our hearts need to be touched the most by Jesus's love. And so as we do this, we, we do this through prayer, we do this through attention to God's word, and we do this through spiritual practices. And uh, later on in our worship service today, uh, we'll be exploring again breathing prayer, which we started last week, and we'll be continuing again this week. Uh, and you'll hear more about that then, but it's just a way of allowing Christ a, a better foothold into our hearts. It's a way of training our hearts and minds to be focused on Jesus in ways that they aren't presently focused on Jesus. Think of it as a, a workout for your soul. And so we're doing that. We're also doing this along with uh, five other churches in the, four other churches in the, um, the greater neighborhood around our church. And we're participating in community Lenten Zooms centered around spiritual practices. Um, ours, the one that we are hosting is March the 10th, and we will be teaching about breathing prayer. Uh, but this week coming up on March the 3rd, we'll be Zooming with St. Paul's Episcopal, our next door neighbors on the block. And they will be doing Lectio Divina, which is a way of reading scripture prayerfully. And it's on Zoom. The, the link is in your Friday email. We'll also send an email out uh, Tuesday morning that will have the link in it as well. It is every Wednesday at noon from now, this, this coming Wednesday, the 3rd, through Wednesday, March 24th. We had a, we had a good a good time with the Methodists this past Wednesday. And so uh, we look forward to sharing in the Lenten season with our brothers and sisters in Christ in our Oregon City, Oregon City community. If you are listening to this before Sunday, February the 28th at 1130 Pacific time, 1130 a.m., Pacific time. Not that anybody would want to be on Zoom at 11.30 p.m., uh, but 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. We are going to be doing in our Zoom coffee hour uh, that we have uh, three out of the four Sundays per month, uh, we are going to be doing a, an arts and crafts day. Whatever you're working on, bring it to show the group. Uh, if you're into cross-stitching or plastic models or diamond art, which several of our church members have gotten into recently, uh, or if you're a journaler or a poet, or if you like to read, bring whatever it is that you're working on. It doesn't have to be a finished product. It can be in process because next month uh, we'll be having a show for the finished product, but bring what you have in process and show everybody what you've been working on. It'll be a day to encourage each other and celebrate the, uh, the gifts of creation that we're, we're all given. Because ultimately, we're all uh, made by a, a creator God who put his image within us. And because of that, we desire to create. That's why we, we enjoy beauty in our world. That's why we appreciate the, the beauty of stained glass windows or uh, trees. That's why we appreciate works of art and songs and poetry and, and good books. Uh, and we as Christians ought to be the ones who take the lead in appreciating beauty in our world. So join us on Zoom, 1130 a.m., 
February the 28th, and that's 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, February 28th, 2021, uh, and bring whatever craft or project you've been working on. Our church is supported by tithes and offerings, and we bring tithes and offerings as followers of Jesus because we recognize a couple of things. One, every good gift we have comes from God. Uh, it says that in the book of James. Um, and so recognizing that everything we have comes from God and recognizing that what we have should be used for the, the working of the kingdom in our neighborhood and in our world, we return a portion of that back to God in faithfulness, not that God will increase our wealth or make us very prosperous, but that God will increase his kingdom through the financial gifts that we offer back in response to God giving those finances to us. Our church is able to do the ministry that we do because of tithes and offerings. And if you want to, uh, to give to the ministry of our church with your tithes and offerings, uh, you can mail a check to our church. It is First Baptist Church of Oregon City, P.O. Box 1686, Oregon City, Oregon 97045. Or you can visit our new Tithely web portal and the link will be, is in the Friday email, uh, if you receive that. It will also be in the description of our worship service podcast. And it's also on our church website. Uh, our church website is onebaptistchurch.org. And through the, the web portal, you can give via debit card or uh, through what's called a digital check. And the website makes that clear. And it's very easy. And you get a receipt at the end. And, and all of the money goes towards the, the outworking of God's kingdom in our church and making sure that the greatness and glory of God and the presence of Jesus Christ is recognized uh, in Oregon City through our church. We're praying for you. Uh, this continues to be a, an up and down time for a lot of people. Uh, and sometimes this time of year, things can be a little gray. Things can be a little rainy. And we are praying that the spirit of Christ is encouraging you, that the Holy Spirit is lifting you up, and that you know that your brothers and sisters in Christ are praying for you as well. And if you are, if you are led by the Holy Spirit, pick up your phone and reach out to, uh, to another member of our church or to another brother or sister in Christ. Give them an actual phone call. Or if that's not your thing, send a text message, send an email, write a letter. Um, if you know how, send a carrier pigeon. Um, get in touch and, and let somebody know that you're thinking about them and praying for them and find out how you can be praying for them and, and what things are like in their life right now. It is our hope that as we worship this morning, that we do so in the knowledge of Jesus Christ in the spirit and truth of God, our Father, who loves us and cares for us. Hear the word of the Lord. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. 
Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Yeah. 
Let us come before the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, you are a God of love, and we come before you to lift up our prayers and petitions to you. We acknowledge that you are in control of all, and we call upon you to grant us our requests. Lord, I want to first thank you for the prayers you have answered. You have healed some, and in others you have started the healing process. We beseech you to continue strengthening their bodies. For those who are still experiencing struggles with their medical complications, I ask that their fear be replaced with faith, their anxiety turned to trust in you. Lord, place your hand of healing upon them. Give them peace in the midst of their agony. You have promised to never leave them or forsake them. Help those who need to cling to this promise to do so. Give strength and courage to those loved ones who are ministering to them. Be with the health care professionals as they continue to provide the best medical treatment available. In addition, many of us have friends, relatives, and co-workers who have needs. I lay these needs before the throne of grace. You know every need and have a plan for each. Help those who have a need to place their faith and trust in you. Ease their anxiety and replace fear with courage. Lord, I also thank you for the protection you gave to all of us during the recent ice storm. Thank you for keeping us safe. If anyone was injured or their home suffered any damage, I pray that you would be with them and, and as they are recovering from any injuries or the shock of the damage to their home. I lift up our young church to you, Lord. Be with the youth as they continue to meet via Zoom. You know their needs and you know the way you will lead them. Help them to put their faith and trust in you and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Be with the leaders, anoint them with the Holy Spirit, as they faithfully lead this group of young people. Bless our congregation, and I thank you for each and every one of them for their giving heart. We are grateful for the encouragement they give to each other, and I ask that it may continue. Be with the neighborhood in which our church is located, I pray for the needs of those we know about and for the needs of those we don't. You know each need, Lord, and you know what you will do. Show your grace and mercy to those who need it. Help us as followers of Christ to do what we can if we know of a need. Help us to put action to our words. Be with our pastor today as he brings us a message from your word. Anoint him with your Holy Spirit as he proclaims your word. Open our hearts and ears to receive his words, and may our podcast be a blessing to all who hear it. As we progress through the days of Lent, let this be our prayer. Dear God, in this season of Lent, we're reminded of our own difficulties and struggles. Sometimes the way has seemed too dark. Sometimes we feel like our lives have been marked by such pain and grief. We don't see how our circumstance can never change. But in the midst of our weakness, we ask that you would be strong on our behalf. Lord, uh, rise up within us. Let your spirit shine out of every broken place we've walked through. Allow your power to be manifest through our own weakness so, so that others will recognize it as you who is at work in our behalf. We ask that you would trade the ashes of our lives for the beauty of your presence. Trade our mourning and grief for the oil of joy and gladness from your spirit. Trade our despair for hope and praise. We choose to give you thanks today to believe that this season of darkness will will fade away. Thank you that you are with us in whatever we face and that you are greater than this trial. We know and recognize that you are sovereign We thank you for the victory that is ours because of Christ Jesus, and we are confident that you have good still in store for our future. We thank you that you are at work right now, trading our ashes for greater beauty. We praise you, for you make all things new. In Jesus' name, amen.
This is Peter Mellinger reading Mark 2, 1-12 from the New Living Translation. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat, right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. A few months ago, we got new downstairs neighbors, people who live directly below us uh, in our apartment complex. And they were having a big party, and there, there were a lot of people over, and, and we could hear it. You know, there was music, and there were the sounds of, of merriment and, uh, and everything like that. And, I mean, it sounded like there were a lot of people there. And so to be able to get to the party, we tunneled straight through the floor and into their apartment. No, we did not do that. That is not what happened, that we would have lost our security deposit. And that's, that's a really what, bad way to introduce yourself to your neighbors. When we see this story, it begins with property destruction. Uh, actually, it begins with Jesus coming back from having been away from Capernaum, which was the town that he had, had come to call his home. He had started proclaiming the, the good news about the kingdom of God, and he ended up settling down in Capernaum, which is where Peter and Andrew also lived. And uh, it doesn't say exactly whose house he was in, uh, but most biblical scholars agree that he was in the home of Peter and Andrew. And, uh, and so all of this is taking place in the home of somebody else. And I can't imagine that you would be very pleased if, uh, if you had invited a, a holy man to stay in your home. And then as soon as the town finds out that he's there, it's packed out with people. Okay, you know, they were disciples, Peter and Andrew. But then it gets so packed out with people that nobody else can get in. And so you'd probably have difficulty doing your day-to-day -day, uh, chores and routines and everything like that. But then as Jesus is teaching one day, and everybody has packed in to hear him preach the word of God, these, these men bring their friend who's paralyzed. And they bring him because they think they have faith that Jesus can heal the man on the mat. We don't know any of their names. They're just people, they're people who had faith in Jesus that he could heal their friend. And homes at that time mostly had flat roofs because you could go up to the roof and you could dry fruit, you could you could prepare food. If it was warm in the house, you could go up on the roof or, or vice versa. And there would often be stairs or, or some sort of a way to access the roof. In Luke's gospel, when Luke tells this story, 
he includes the detail that the men removed roof tiles and then went down, dug down into the roof of the house. And you can imagine the surprise. This is a great story, by the way, for you to read prayerfully and put yourself in the place of somebody in the crowd Put yourself in the place of one of the people carrying the mat. Put yourself in the place of the man on the mat. And so you can just imagine being a person in the crowd. And I imagine that you start to see like little pieces of dirt fall from the, the ceiling. And you can clearly hear that there's, there's something going on up there. And you hear this scratching and soon more and more clumps of dirt fall. And then you see daylight and you see daylight and you see the face of a man looking down in and peering into this hole that has opened up in the ceiling. Meanwhile, Jesus is teaching and all of these, these dirt clumps are, are coming down on top of him just as well as they're coming down on top of you who's sitting in the crowd. And then they, they, they get enough of the roof opened that they can lower their friend down into the house. And he's on a mat. And Jesus says something unexpected. It's at this point I want to pause and point out that this story in Mark is a bit like one of my favorite junk foods, admittedly. Um, and it's not like a sweet junk food. It's something that you can get at a lot of, I don't know if about a lot of restaurants, but you can get at some restaurants uh, and it's not good for you, but it is delicious. And it is called a scotch egg. A scotch egg, you boil an egg and you can boil, I've had it uh, soft boiled so that the yolk is, is runny anywhere up to hard boiled. And then you take the shell off of it and you pack sausage, ground sausage, around the egg. And then you bread the sausage with breadcrumbs. And then you fry this whole creation until it's a nice golden brown. And then you cut it in half and you sprinkle sea salt on it. And you can have it with, uh, you can just eat it the way it is. You can have it with mustard. Um, I've even seen it as a, a breakfast dish before, which, you know, what better way to start your day than a bolt of cholesterol through your veins um, and arteries. So, but the, the point of a scotch egg is that there's something going on and there's something going on around it. And that's what we have going on here. Because there, there's kind of two stories here, isn't it? You have the story of the friends and the person on the mat. You also have the story of Jesus dealing with the teachers of the law because they take offense to what Jesus has said to the man on the mat. If Jesus had just said, stand up, take your mat and go, they probably wouldn't have had a, a difficult time with it. There was a lot of spiritual interest at the time that Jesus was teaching. Jesus wasn't the only person going from town to town, and, and his movement was not the only messianic movement uh, that had gone on uh, and gained traction in Israel in, in, in recent history to when, when Jesus was alive. There were other people who were casting out demons. There were other people who were doing healings. And they wouldn't have had a problem for there to be one more healer, one more person who is, you know, kind of Capernaum's local healer. But instead, what Jesus had said is, my child, your sins are forgiven. That is a different thing to say to this man entirely. And so you can see how there's this one other story forming in the midst of the story of the man on the mat. And so we're going, to, we're going to look at this scotch egg today, this scotch egg of a Bible story. And if you don't know what it is, Google it later. 
uh, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, and if you ever get the chance to try one, uh, I highly recommend it, 10 out of 10. As we look at this, there's one thing I want to make very, very clear straight off the bat. Nowhere in this story and nowhere in Jesus's teaching is there the suggestion that birth defects, that um, congenital problems, disabilities, or, or anything of the like are caused by the sin of the person or the sin of their parents. There are children who are right now in hospitals across America who are being treated for all sorts of, of diseases and birth defects. And strictly speaking, they are being treated for this as a result of being in, born into a broken world. Yes, sins hold on our world, sins present foothold in our world permits things like disease. It permits things like birth defects. And growing up, uh, my sister was born with a birth defect called spina bifida. And I went along to a lot of the doctor's appointments. And as we sat in lots of waiting rooms, I saw lots of, of children who had done nothing wrong and their parents had done nothing wrong. And if you can't tell, I'm getting a little, <laughs> I get a little angry at the insinuation that sin, that the sin of the parents might be at the root of the disease of the child. This is not a biblically defensible position and it is not what's going on here. Jesus didn't speak these words to the man because he had committed some kind of sin and left him paralyzed. He was born into a broken world, a world where things like paralysis is possible. Can, can sinful choices lead to bodily harm? Absolutely. You know, if, if you spend most of your life as an alcoholic, you should not be surprised if you end up with liver cirrhosis. But this is not what we're dealing with here. And I wanted to make that very clear. Jesus, the first words Jesus is, has spoken to this man on the mat is your sins are forgiven. And you might think tongue in cheek, he's talking about what they did to the roof, but this is not what's going on here. Jesus, as we talked about last week from Mark chapter one, Jesus is announcing the kingdom of God. He is announcing a new time that God had, had promised. And one of the things that Jesus, as God's chosen Messiah, was pronouncing was the forgiveness of sins. He was pronouncing repentance, and he was going to pronounce the forgiveness of sins. And if he's pronouncing the forgiveness of sins, then he's making a very distinct yet kind of indirect claim about himself. And to pronounce the forgiveness of sins meant to bear the power of God. Because at that time, if you wanted forgiveness of your sins, it was something that you did at the temple, through a priest, uh, at your synagogue, etc. And the forgiveness of sins for Jesus to, to make this claim was a pretty big deal. Because it said that he was the point where God and humanity connected and that he had the authority to pronounce the forgiveness of sins. And he says this to this man, not because this man necessarily, as I said, sinned and it left him paralyzed or his parents sinned and left him paralyzed, but rather that this man is sinful because he's born into a sinful world. And because he is human, 
he has sinned and Jesus forgave him. And the, the teachers of the law are astonished and they accuse him of blasphemy. And this would not be the last time that Jesus was accused of blasphemy. As you might recall, that was the charge they brought against him on the night he was betrayed. And that was the charge that would lead to his crucifixion. So we're getting a little bit of foreshadowing here of, of what's to come in Jesus's life. But let's go back to the man. If Jesus is saying that he has the authority to forgive sins, then what he's saying is the confirmation of his authority will be to tell this man to take your mat and walk. And when he makes this comment, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? He's not talking about the fact that it takes more words to say, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. What he's saying is, is that it is far easier that there are other people who are out doing healings. There are other people who are out um, casting out demons and such, but that he is has the power of God to forgive sins. And he's released this man from his sins. And now he is going to release this man from the physical bondage that comes from being born into a world of sin. And he goes one step further by saying, so I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. When Jesus uses this phrase, the son of man, he's calling back to Daniel chapter seven, where one like the son of man comes in power and authority and is given the authority by God. And so by, by calling himself the son of man, he is saying that this new time that's been promised by God, this time when God will live among his people, this time when God will renew all things that God will, will set things to right, will bring justice is coming and is now in fact here because Jesus is present, because Jesus is the son of man. Jesus is the one who has come to do this. He is the one that has come to fulfill himself the intentions that God had for Israel to fulfill. It is not that Jesus can do healings that gives him the authority. The healings are a sign that Jesus has the authority, that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, that Jesus is God and man in one, essentially that Jesus is the temple. He can do this and the evidence is the healing. Later on in, in any of the gospels, pick one, people will ask Jesus to perform a sign so that they can know. And Jesus won't do it. And one of the reasons that he won't do it is that the sign itself only confirms that, the, that he is the temple, that he is the God man, that he is the son of God. But the sign in itself is not the confirmation. But finally, he does look at this man and say, get up, take up your mat and walk. And boy, does this guy ever do it. Picture it. Just try to get into your mind the picture of a massive crowd. People are packed in somewhere. And I know right now in our, our COVID-stricken world, uh, a big crowd is difficult to imagine. Um, but imagine a big crowd. And this man can walk for the first time. And he jumps up and he's leaping through the crowd and people are trying to get out of their way. But this man is not going to be stopped. He is so overjoyed because his sins are forgiven and he can walk. And people praise God for it. And it says, they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. And sometimes I wonder if that includes 
the teachers of the religious law. But that might be a, a wonder for another day. So what do we make of this? If we look at what God is saying to us in our current, in our lives, in our current situation, how is this speaking God's truth? How is this proclaiming God's truth for us today? And I think there are a couple of things that we have to look at. Jesus brought this new, this new time, this new age where God and man dwell together. And he brought it to, to the beginning and through his death, resurrection, and ascension, that time has begun, but it's not yet completed. And as such, we look in our world, we look in our communities and our neighborhoods and in our lives for the places that need forgiveness and healing. We look for the things that are broken. We look for the things that are suboptimal, whether that is broken relationships, broken social systems, places where the social order has failed people and they're living without a home or they don't have access to the healthcare that they need or where they're so bereft of hope that they've turned to addictive substances to numb the pain of existence. We look at, at families that have been so torn apart that parents are, are living separated from each other and the children are caught in the middle. We look at situations where people have admittedly made poor decisions, but they don't have the means to recover from, from these poor decisions that they've made. We look at the brokenness in ourselves. We look at the things that, that have been torn apart within us. And anywhere you find one of those places, you find an opportunity for the kingdom of God to enter in. You find an opportunity for the authority of Christ to bring forgiveness and healing. Because the kingdom of God isn't just a spiritual, mental, mystical revolution. It is that, but it's not just that. And the, the, the kingdom of God is not about just about dying and going to heaven. It's about heaven coming to earth ultimately. But when we look at this story, we see Jesus bringing forgiveness and healing. And where does that come into our world and how do we do it? We do it through faith. Because now we're going to move from one part of the scotch egg to the other. And we're going to go back to the beginning where we look at these men. Four guys have brought their friend to Jesus. You don't tunnel through a ceiling, through a roof and through a ceiling, unless you have faith that the person who's underneath can do something about what you need. They had so much faith that they engaged in property destruction <laughs> to get their friend healed. And Jesus sees their faith. This is verse five, seeing their faith. Jesus said to them, paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. When we have faith that God can accomplish this through Jesus Christ, Jesus is faithful and Jesus works this out through us because we are the hands and feet of Jesus in our world and in our communities and in the lives of people in our neighborhood. When we have the faith that Jesus can do this, we bring the people that have brokenness to God in prayer. That's one way to do it. 
if you're if you look at the problems that the world has if you if you look at all of the brokenness and all of the sin and you look at a world torn apart by violence that continually is perpetuated by powerful people against less powerful people if you look at this and you don't know what else to do the first place to start is prayer and you you take up your your prayers and you say god i am i have faith that you can do something about this i have faith that you can work through me about this and you take this to god and you give this to god but you don't leave it there because they they didn't just they didn't just take the the guy up to the roof and say well good luck they dug through they dug through and they lowered the man down to Jesus. And Jesus worked from there. But Jesus has given us the charge to continue this work. And as we see the broken places in our lives, our world, and we bring this to Jesus in prayer, we need to pray that God would help us to see how we can be part of his work. We discern what God is doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is already at work in all of these broken places. And when we see God at work, when we discern this work that God is doing to heal brokenness, we see where our prayers are leading us. Jesus refers to the man as my child and he releases him from his bondage to sin and his bondage to being into a world that is broken by sin. And as we see Jesus doing this work, as we see Jesus in this story, we see the power that sin has in our world being put on notice. We see it being pushed back. And anytime we do this work, we push sin back. And we say, you lose your foothold here. Because Jesus is Lord. And when we recognize Jesus is Lord, when we recognize that Jesus is present in the midst of brokenness, Forgiveness and healing are possible. We just have to be willing to bring this brokenness to Jesus in any way we possibly can.
Have you ever stopped to think about how breathing is purely left in the hands of God? Think about it. When we go to sleep at night, we're breathing. When we wake up in the morning, we're still breathing. And when we stop breathing, it means that there's something very wrong and our time on this earth might be over. When we think about prayer, among the the different biblical commandments that we would think about when it comes to prayer is 1 Thessalonians 5.15, which in the New Living Translation says, never stop praying. And if our, our breathing continues as long as we're alive, and we can learn to do a spiritual practice called breathing prayer, we can offer every breath as a prayer to God. Breathing prayer doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't have to be some mystical thing. Breathing prayer is something that we can do when things seem out of our control and we need to refocus our our whole being, our whole living on God. It can be something that we do as we're cooking, cleaning, going about our day-to-day lives. And even as you're standing there trying to figure out what type of cereal you want to buy at the grocery store, with each breath, you can be praying. And so this year for Lent as a church, we're, we're practicing breathing prayer. And in a, in a few moments, you'll hear, uh, you'll hear Katie, my wife, give the instruction of inhale, and then I will give you something to pray as you're inhaling. And then you'll hear the word exhale, and there will be the other half of the prayer to pray as you're exhaling. And it'll repeat a few times. And I know this this might be new to you. Uh, You might have not tried it last week, or you might have missed it last week. And if it's new to you, that's okay. And if it seems weird, that's also okay. There's a lot of things that seem weird the first time we're doing them. And that goes for all of life in general. But here's my simple request. Give it Lent. Give it these next six weeks. And if by Easter Sunday, if it's not something that resonates with you in your spiritual life, what have you lost? You've lost nothing. You've spent six weeks trying a a different way of allowing the Holy Spirit uh, into your life and increasing your prayer life. So as we practice breathing prayer together, you inhale and you're, you're praying something and you exhale and you're praying something. Our breath is a gift from God. And let's return that gift to God now through prayer. Inhale. Jesus Christ, Son of God. Exhale. Forgive me and heal me. Inhale. Jesus Christ, Son of God. Exhale. Forgive me and heal me. Inhale. Jesus Christ, Son of God. Exhale. Forgive me and heal me. Hear the word of the Lord. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom we preach to you, and as God's ultimate yes, He always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. It is God who enables us along with you 
to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good for them. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me and they will never leave me. I will find joy in doing good for them and will faithfully and wholeheartedly replant them in this land. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with Jesus Christ, his son, our Lord. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for joining us for worship this morning. And it's our prayer that as we have sung and prayed and read scripture and heard God's word proclaimed to us, that it's taken root in our lives, that we will be able to see with fresh eyes where God is moving in our world, where we'll see all of the places where brokenness can be met by the forgiveness and healing of Jesus. If there's a way that we can love and serve you, our church website is onebaptistchurch.org, and that's the number one, baptistchurch.org. And on there, you'll find our email, you'll find our phone number, and we would absolutely be willing and interested uh, to listen, to pray, and if there's any way that we can love and serve you, uh, we would be happy to do that. In this time of Lent, as we draw close to Jesus, we pray that uh, the Holy Spirit is strengthening you and that you are, are seeing Jesus in fresh new ways day after day. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in music this morning. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude. I'd like to thank Pete Mellinger, uh, who is our scripture reader for this morning. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading us in leading the First Baptist Church readers in our creative scripture readings. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. <laughs>